It's a special day here at Springhouse Church. We have a special guest with us today, Pastor Jonathan Evans, who is a former NFL fullback and also the chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys currently. I don't want to soak up any more of his time because I know his word is rich. Are you ready, Springhouse? Let's give him a Springhouse welcome today. Have this thing in. I'm getting How's everybody doing? Doing all right? That's good. It's good to be here and have the opportunity to share uh, with you this morning. I had a, a great session this morning and, and have another session right now. So I'm excited uh, just to be in church, just to be together, actually. After, after a whole year of kind of sitting on the bench a little bit, I'm excited to be back in the game. You know what I mean? And, and be back with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's a great opportunity to be here. As he said, I'm Jonathan Evans. Um, me and my wife, uh, Kanika, we met at Baylor University. We're Baylor Bears, national champs, by the way. Thought I would add that. Yeah. There was a lot of people who were telling me they don't stand a chance against Gonzaga, but Gonzaga ran into something, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know what we do in Texas now. Um, I do have some Tennessee roots. I played one season for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited to kind of be back in, in one of my homes. I, my brother lived here for several years in Franklin, and so I was able to live with him while I played uh, with the Titans. You don't remember me because I wasn't that good, but who cares? I was here. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I made it for a little bit, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just want a little bit. Uh, so it's, uh, it's awesome. I started my career with the Dallas Cowboys actually as a player. And then I, oh, okay, great. <laughs> I don't get that everywhere. Um, and then I, you know, went to Tennessee, actually played a season in uh, NFL Europe. And then when they had that, and then came and, and finished my career with the Washington Redskins. And I know you, wow. This is... Very interesting, very interesting crowd here. And I know uh, many of you think that, you know, how are you going to play for the Cowboys and the Redskins? That doesn't really, that doesn't really work. But, you know, when you're a player, you're not really a fan. All of them write checks, so you're just. And I got to change it to be correct, the Washington football team. Okay. Say it the right way now. Uh, but it's, anyway, it's exciting to be here. And now, after meeting at Baylor, me and my wife have five children. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that many. A whole handful. And, uh, and they're between the ages of 12 and 2. Exactly. We're in the middle of the woods with no navigation, just trying to figure things out. Help. Uh, but just to give you a little background on me before we get started. What do you say we jump into God's Word for a little bit, huh? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and honor you. We give you the praise and glory for who you are. If you don't do anything else, you've already done enough by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Help us to, yes, believe in it, but help us not to stop there. Help us to walk in it um, so that we can continue to be a light uh, in a world that's full of darkness. We love you and we honor you. Bless us with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to read one verse to you found in Genesis chapter 6. 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, this is a story that you know. This is a story that you've heard all about since Sunday school. You've kind of remembered this whole story of Noah building his ark. But I just want to express this to you this morning so that we can learn and grow of what he was truly called to build. It says in verse 6, verse 14, chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. He says, Noah, I want you to build something. I want you to make yourself an ark of gopher wood. I want you to make it with rooms and I want you to seal it inside and out with pitch. Essentially, he's telling him right now in this culture that you're in, it's time to build. It's time for you to construct something that actually matters. And the reason why I'm able to be at Springhouse Church in 2021 and talk about what Noah built over over 4,500 plus years ago is not because he built for his kingdom, it's because he built for God's kingdom. You know, many people are building today and they're excited to build, but they're confused on which kingdom they're supposed to be building for. And they're building something that really at the end of the day won't matter. What is the point of walking through the sands of life only to get to the end of it to look back and see that there was no footprint? Because you were building something that God didn't call you to build even though it looked like it was culturally acceptable. God was calling Noah to build and he's calling you and I to build. We get excited every morning because of the things that we want to accomplish, the things that we want to build, whether it's our personal life, whether it's our family, whether it's our, with our children, whether it's in school, whether it's our career, whether it's our finances, our business, all of those things that we're trying to build, but we don't want to get lost in the plans of construction. That as we're building, we lose sight of why we are where we are, why we are placed where we are, and why we have the skills that we have. That they are supposed to be used for the building up of the kingdom of God and the edification of his body. That it's all about him. Too many people are climbing the ladder of success only to get to the top of it and realize the whole time it's been leaning on the wrong wall. Because they're building something and they're trying to make something and craft something, but at the end of the day, they have marginalized God while they're building it. Noah was called to build. He said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood and you shall make it with rooms and seal it inside and out with pitch. And many people understand that he was called to build this ark. And many of you have visited that ark in Kentucky. I know I have. And you walk through and you see how amazing it is what he was called to construct in his time. But how long that that idea that what he construct, how long it has lasted. You say, well, wait a minute. How long has it lasted? I know I visited in Kentucky, but that's not the actual, they rebuilt that. That's, what do you mean how long it's lasted? Well, the only reason why you're here is because of what he built. If he didn't build it, you wouldn't even be here. Okay, Noah building that ark was the salvation of creation. It's the salvation of mankind and the proliferation of the image of God. The same idea that God had when he created Adam and Eve, and he said that I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth is the same command that he gave Noah after he constructed that ark in chapter 9. Because it's the same kingdom plan, I'm just looking for kingdom people to build in it. He said, Noah, I want you to build this ark. But the reason why I need you to build this ark is because the environment that I'm calling you to build it in is crazy. If you look at Genesis chapter 6, 
not starting at verse 14, but starting at verse 1, it's the environment of the Nephilim. It's the environment of broken families. Let me, let me break it, make it simple. You had broken families because you had uh, demonization that was going on in this environment where demons were, were having relation with the daughters of men and they were giving birth to an evil race where every intent of the thought of the heart of man was evil continuously. In verse 6, it says, God was sorry that he had ever made man on the earth. Now, you know that's a bad culture if it makes God sorry. Things were bad, and it wasn't because he regrets what he did. He's perfect. But he did say, let us make man in our image, and the image of God is not what they were bearing, so he was regretful about what they do, not what he does. says he was sorry that he had ever made man on the earth because of what was happening and the contribution of man, that every intent of the thought of the heart of man was evil continuously, and he said, Noah, that's the environment that I need you to build in. An environment, not just, what, not just the fact that they do bad, but the fact that they even think bad. I want you to think about the high calling of God that he's not just thinking about our actions, he's thinking about our internal intentions. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 5, you look at verse 21, verse 27, he says, if you commit murder, that's bad. I say if you even hate your brother in your heart, it's the same to me. He's looking at the men and he says, you say if you commit adultery, it's bad. I say if you even look at a woman in your heart and you lust after her, it's the same to me. In other words, he's calling us to a higher standard. You can fool me, but you cannot fool God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel's going to choose a king. And Samuel says to himself, the one that God chose has to be Eliab, David's older brother. It has to be Eliab because Eliab is tall, he's handsome. He basically was describing me. <laughs> Had to be that guy. That guy's tall, he's handsome. In other words, he looks like a king. And God had to correct him because he says, you look at the outer appearance when you choose. But when I choose, I look at the heart. And he skipped the oldest son, which in biblical times it would be the first son. It would be the oldest son, and he went to the youngest son. He said, because he has the right heart, even, if he, even though he may not have Eliab's looks. God is looking at your heart, and many of us are thinking, well, what am I supposed to build? What am I called to do? Well, I don't feel like God has given me my purpose. I don't feel like God has given me uh, my destiny. I don't feel like God has put the tools in my hand so that I can construct what he's called me to build. And God is saying, yeah, but I'm looking at your heart, not just the fact that you go to church. You can look good and not be good. You can go to church and not be the church. He said every intent of the thought of their heart, God was looking a little bit deeper than sometimes we look, and God chooses based on who we really are. And so, in your marriage, who are you really? Not just where are you, but what's your intent? Are you serving at a manipulation, are you serving because you want to serve your wife or husband? What is really going on in there? My daughter, uh, she's 12, and she asked me, Dad, I'm 12. I'm about to turn 13 soon. Um, she just turned 12 in January. I'm like, you got a whole year. Um, <laughs> but can I, get, can I get social media? I said, 
no. That was a real simple, real simple request and answer. She said, why not? Everybody has it. Well, you know what they say, you know, well, everybody don't live in my house. So I, I can't speak for everybody, but you can't. She said, but why not? I said, well, why do you want social media? She said, because I want to be able to make videos. I want to be able to get views and likes. I said, that's exactly why you can't have social media. Your, your maturity level is not ready for what you're asking for. So you're coming to your dad and you're asking me for something and you're mad that your dad is not coming through, but your dad knows you. He knows that your maturity level is not ready for what you're asking for. You, if I give you social media, you will not use social media. It will only take a couple of months for social media to use you. You won't even realize that you're just a product to the advertisements on those pages because you're there to see if you can get views and likes when you're supposed to be using the platform in order to advance God's kingdom. And until you recognize that the platform is for the advancement of God's kingdom, you can't have social media. Because I know if I give you social media, really social media will have you. It's a totally different ball game when you understand that you are called to build for his kingdom, not for your kingdom. And people get messed up because they build a following that they can't even handle. You know that social media was in the Bible? You know, social media is biblical. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Bam, social media. <laughs> It's simple. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. There's nothing new. All we're doing is just kind of reordering things. Everything's kind of the same. Paul already knew, but Paul knew what to do with the followers that he had. He said, follow me so that I can just get you to follow Christ. We can't handle the weight of glory that only belongs to God. That's why you have all of this uh, depression and anxiety and all of these different things. You're trying to live up to the expectation of something that you created for yourself that was never meant for you. You can't handle that weight because you're just not him. He said, build yourself an ark for me and I want you to build it inside the culture. I don't want you to be used by the culture. I want you to let me use you within the culture. When you understand that, you understand, okay, what tools do I need? What tools do I have? How has God uniquely created me so that I can be used within this culture? And how is this culture? It's a bad one. It's one that's not on your side. Noah, have faith in a faithless environment. Noah, be righteous in a, in a non-righteous environment. Noah, continue to be faithful. Noah, continue to build, continue to construct. Nobody is going to believe in what you do, but I need you to continue to believe in me. You see, a lot of times we only want to build in environments that support what we're building. That's not how it works. He told Noah to build precisely in an unsupportive environment. Noah had a three-word sermon, it's going to rain. It's gonna... <laughs> and nobody believed it. But he was faithful 
So the reason why he has a legacy that spans from Genesis 6 all the way to Hebrews chapter 11 is because he was faithful even in an unsupportive environment. Notice, you're called to be righteous. You're called to be holy. You're called to build what God, faithful. You're called to build what God has called you to build. And you're called to do it precisely when the environment is against you. Normally, we use the environment being against us as the reason why we're not doing what God calls us to do. You'll have a husband and wife sitting in the counseling session, and the husband's talking like Adam did in the garden. It was the woman who you gave me. (laughs) The reason why I'm not the man that I'm supposed to be is because she won't respond the way she's supposed to respond. The reason why I'm not doing what God told me to do is because she ain't acting right. The reason why I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, counselor or whoever I'm talking to, is because she's not doing what she's supposed to do. And God is saying, wait a minute now. That's why I called you to build. If the environment isn't right, shouldn't you start constructing something? If the environment isn't right, doesn't that mean you dig deeper in your obedience? If the environment isn't right, doesn't that mean you pull out the Bible as your tool so that you can continue to construct something for the salvation of your family? You can't use a bad environment as the reason why you're not doing what God calls you to do. Same thing, vice versa. God tells the woman in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, he tells you what type of wife you're supposed to be if you live with an unbelieving husband. He tells you to continue to respect, continue to hold in honor. You're saying he doesn't deserve that, but God is saying, but I do. And this is what I'm calling you to do. Have you seen the movie War Room? That was a perfect example, actually, of her stepping back and saying, he crazy. (laughs) It is what it is. He ain't acting right. That was my sister, by the way. Did you know that? Priscilla is my sister in that movie. So, proud of her. People ask me, how long has she been acting? I'm like, her whole life. (laughs) But that was a perfect example of a 1 Peter 3 woman when a a man is tripping. That I'm just going to go into my prayer closet. I cannot change him with my mouth, but God can change him with his word. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm going to focus on him and let my husband be a secondary benefit to my dedication to God. And when we build in environments and we construct when things are not good, then God has a tendency to wash it and make it clean. Isn't that what he did in Noah's day? That Noah built the ark and it wasn't until after Noah's construction that God cleansed the environment. A lot of us are waiting on God, and God is saying, "Mm -mm, I'm waiting on you. And guess what? I have more time than you. (laughs) I'm going to outlast you, so you might want to start. Because I have the cleansing agent in my hand. I'm ready whenever you are. I can wash this system and make it, this situation, and make it clean quickly. Suddenly, the Bible teaches. I mean, but we don't, we believe more in our circumstance than we do in God's ability to change it. And God is saying, it's time. Not for you to be functioning on feelings, but you to be functioning on faith. Not for you to follow your heart, but you to demand that your heart follows the truth. 
It says, Noah, build an ark, and I want you to build it in a place that will not support you. I want you to do it at school. I want you to do it at your job. I want you to do it. I mean, it should be evident that you're building for the kingdom. If someone at your job were to accuse you of being a Christian, the question is, would you be found guilty or innocent? Because you're living life while marginalizing his kingdom advancement. Noah, this is what I want you to do. This is what you're called to do. All of the Noahs in the room, you're, you're all built to construct something. But if you're looking for a negative cultural environment to be supportive of it, well, you're wasting your time. Well, how long do I have to do it? I mean, geez, I'm trying to find rest. I want to go on vacation, you know? I want to find rest, the beach. You know, nobody takes a vacation to the inner city of Detroit. Like, when you think about rest, <laughs> when you think about rest, you want calm. You want peace. Rest is found in you doing what God says. Christians have a false expectation that when you follow Jesus, everything will be fine. Sometimes it's not until you start following him that everything goes wrong. But what should the expectation be? Jesus never lied to us. He says in John chapter 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He guaranteed it. But don't worry about it because I have already overcome it. I just need you to follow me. And in following me, you must take up your cross in order to do so. How long do I have to do it? It doesn't sound like rest to me. Well, it tells you in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, about 120 years. It does. He said, how long am I going to be building this thing? About 120 years. Guess what that means? It's a lifetime work. That's your expectation. This is a lifetime of work. It's a lifetime of building and constructing. Myself, my personal relationship with God, my family, my children, my work, going and making disciples. It's just, it's just a lifetime work. And I'm going to find rest in my calling. That's what I'm called to do. Why in the world did God call Noah? Verse 8 tells you. I love the Bible because, you know, it really preaches itself. I'm just up here telling you what it says. I mean, I'm not really. Verse 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What's the first word of verse 8? But. You know what but is? It's a contrast conjunction. It means what I'm about to say is totally opposite of what I just said. What did I just say? Well, I just said that the culture was bad. I just said it was demonic culture, broken families, broken community, broken nation. I mean, I just said everything was bad. But. So now what I'm about to say is different than what I just said. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know what that tells me? A simple observation is Noah is a contrast to the things that God was sorry about. And so because Noah was a contrast to what God was sorry about, he found favor and was able to be used by God. The problem is, is a lot of Christians are not a contrast to the problem. They're a continuation conjunction instead of a contrast conjunction. They're and instead of but. And God is looking for contrast saints who he can give tools to to build in unsupportive environments. And Noah found favor. If you want God's protection, you want his 
salvation in life, not just for afterlife. If you want it for your family, then you must start building based on his word. In what area? In every area you face. Now, how, what, kind of, what kind of person was Noah? Well, verse 9 tells you. You see how this works? It just, just read it. It just kind of. Verse 9 says, these are the records of the generation of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. Well, certainly I can use her. Certainly I can use him. They're righteous means they have a correct standing with God, salvation. Blameless, which means every man or woman knows it. So if I were to ask somebody about you, they would say, oh, yeah, that's a good woman there. That's definitely a woman of God. That's definitely a man of God. It's, it, it's evident and obvious. Blameless means what does it look like? If everyone else knows you're a Christian except for your family, And he walked with God. How do you do it? How do I get righteousness and blameless? How do I have that type of stature in community where God would choose so that I'm a contrast, so that I can build in an unsupportive environment? Simple. You walk with God. What does Galatians say? How do I not carry out the desires of my flesh? Walk in the spirit. It's walking with God. Walking spiritually. That's not some spiritual pie-in-the-sky idea. That simply means you take the word of God and use it in your life because God wants to use you. He wants to see you more than on Sunday. He wants to be able to use you every day to construct something that actually matters. And then let me close with the verse that we started with, Genesis 6.14. What are you actually supposed to be building? What is the outcome? What is the, what is the application of what you're doing and all of the work that you will put in for 120 years? Well, simple. He says, make yourself an ark. Make it with many rooms and seal it inside and out with pitch. Well, what is the ark? Well, the ark was the thing that his family got in and whoever else got in, but nobody did because that's their, their decision. But it was available. And why was it available? Well, for salvation, judgment was coming. Judgment was coming, guaranteed. But before judgment, God gave 120 years of his grace. See, people ask, how could God do that? decimate a whole people well, because he's a righteous judge and it was a bad environment but before he did it he gave 120 years for people to make a decision that's called his grace right now we live in the window of his grace where christians are supposed to be constructing an environment for salvation and the only way you can be saved is john 10 9 come through my doors jesus says and you can receive salvation there is only one name under heaven by which you can be saved, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't go look anywhere else other than the ark of Jesus Christ. 
So the environment that you're supposed to be building is an environment where people run smack into Jesus Christ by life, by teaching, by being at the table at dinner, by, 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 by inviting people over, but because you want to give them the opportunity to walk through these doors. And then he says, make it with many rooms. Huh. John 14, 2. In my father's house, there are many rooms. In other words, you let people know, no matter their class, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter their race, no matter, uh-uh, there is room for you in my father's house. That the door is open for you. That Jesus Christ is the salvation and he has a place for you. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in me. Don't worry, I've got a spot for you. So only Noah's family got in. Seems like it was a little overbuilt. No, it wasn't. Because just in case the whole society wanted to turn, there would be room for them. And then he says, seal it inside and out with pitch. You know what pitch is? It's like old school caulking. Make sure that the water doesn't get through. You want to seal it to make sure that the judgment does not get through to the people who are in the ark of salvation. He's letting you know that once you're in this ark, judgment will come, but it will not come on you. That's why Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why Ephesians 1.13 says, if you believe, you are sealed by the spirit of truth. Because he's letting you know. And once you give your life to Jesus, he's letting you know there's going to be a place for you. And judgment is not something that you ever have to worry about. If we can ever get our lives to a place, our careers to a place, our families to a place, we're, we're building them for an invitation. Anytime you invite someone to your house, I know my wife does it, all of a sudden, we're cleaning up. <laughs> we got five kids, and so the house stays a certain way. But if somebody's coming over, oh man, shoom, we're running all over the place cleaning up because we want to make sure they know and can feel at home in what we've constructed. We've got a lot of Christians who don't clean up. They don't build. And the culture says, I don't want to go over there. Why? It looks just like my house. God is calling you to build. And he's calling you to do it right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and honor you. Give you the praise and glory for who you are. We thank you for the story of Noah and how we can build a legacy that matters, that we can construct even in unsupportive environments, that the the support is not what we're looking for anymore. We're just looking for your call. Use our gifts, our talents, our skills for that reason and help us to give our lives to you because that is all that matters. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for having me.